Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Are you down with NPCs? Yeah, you know me. There we go. And welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm one of your hosts who's naughty by his na- very nature, Phil. <laughs> and I am your other host, Senda. Am I supposed to be nice? I mean, you could have been, I don't know, hip hop, hooray, OPP, naughty by nature. Oh. Um, oh, my, <laughs> oh, my baby millennial. Oh. <laughs> Goodness, you were like 10 when those songs came out or something like. Yeah. Oh, goodness. 10 and living in a cult. Uh, Yeah. No, it's fine. It's fine. I'm just carrying this. I'm carrying this bit of carrying this bit of pop culture myself today. Other people will find it funny and will be entertained when they hear it played back. Was that a joke? Other people? That's the first it? two. It's the first two letters of OPP. <laughs> Other people. Oh boy, we're gonna have to listen to the song after this. <laughs> it wasn't an intentional joke. <laughs> All right. The okay. third letter. That's not that simple. Okay, never mind. Um, that's the lyrics to this. Okay, we really got to do the topic. <laughs> Can you tell us about the topic for, for today? Yeah. <laughs> so for today, Michael in Slack asked us. To talk about NPCs. What yeah, are they? you know me. Hey, okay, but we're not doing... <laughs> okay, back to the topic. What are they? How do you use them? Is literature or film theory valuable for categorizing NPCs, or is it an unnecessary detour? Good questions. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the topic, Michael. Who Michael, who, who gave us like a barrage of topics in uh, Slack on a Friday Slack conference call. So thank you for bolstering up the um, the pile of topics for, from which we chose from. And I particularly like this one today. Um, so let's do the simplest thing first. Let's go ahead and define NPC, right? This definition has been around forever, right? Non-player character, yeah. right? So non-player character, meaning that this is a character that is a per right. It's a person, right? It's a character in the game, but is not embodied or controlled by a player. Most of the time, right, is embodied primarily by the game master, right? Occasionally, I, that can be handed off to players. Let's not get into absolutes. We're not Siths here. Yeah, I right? was going to say, can we tweak it? Can we tweak the definition just a hair? What do you got? Can we say this is a character? who is not a primary character of a player? I think we get into some weird, I'm okay with that. We get into some weird things when we talk about troop play, or if you get into things like um, DCC funnels, where you're playing five characters in the beginning, right? Those are all actually player characters. The purest, right? Let's go with the purest form of NPC is a character played by the GM. And then we can get into kind of the gray areas where what about retainers and what about companion animals? Like animal and, and companions. Things. I was yeah, thinking exactly. about those too, right? And like, are those, oh, let me move my keyboard, right? That's how I screwed things oh, up last Oh, yeah, there don't touch it. Don't touch okay. it. <laughs> I'm talking with one hand. I have the other hand in my sweatshirt, but I have yes. one hand free and that is a recipe for disaster. Um <laughs> 
so very Italian of you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Very, very half Italian of me. I'm just going to use one hand today. Um, <laughs> so I think we get into this like weird gray area when we talk about animal companions, especially um, it gets grayer if that character winds up shared yes. between the GM and the player, right? Sometimes that happens with like retainers where um, the player may, you know, decide what the retainer is going to do, but the GM embodies the voice, right? Get into some gray areas. I think some of the stuff we'll talk about today will apply to those things because Michael had asked about categorization via literature and film, but I actually think the better characterizations for NPCs is actually going to be role-playing the role they play in the game. Okay. I was going right. to say the because, role because playing N- categorization because it, by definition N- we're role playing. Yeah, sure. NPCs have different functions in role playing games, and so um, we can take a look at those categories and kind of talk about what the NPC is doing. Now, they don't magically transform, right? They're still a character embodied primarily by the GM, um, but some of these fringe cases fall into those kind of weirdo. Um, you know, gray areas. And it's okay. Again, we're not cis. We don't deal in absolutes. But sometimes it is nice to start with an absolute so we can define some things in broad strokes and then we can go nuanced, right, and talk about things like the animal companion, the retainer, and things like that. Okay. I have a few ideas for the role of of NPCs and we'll talk about them through the lens of some of our games that we've run together and some games we've played separately. Yeah, nice. Good. What games okay. are we going to use? <laughs> uh, well, we use For the Queen. Oh, because yeah, we actually have two NPCs in that game. Right, that are very shared. Yeah. Yes. Good. And they, good they perform a very NPCs. specific role. Yes. Yeah. All right. Okay. Good. So why don't we, all right. So why don't we start with the purest of all NPCs, 100% GM, 100% GM controlled. And, um, their role, so I'll, we'll do the simplest role. Their role is to be the other people in the world. Yes. Okay. So there are a lot of times like you walk into a shop and there's a shopkeeper and you talk to the shopkeeper, right? That NPC exists because in our world, the world exists full of people that are not the player characters. Yes. Right. And so these characters simply exist because um, the world would seem weird if they weren't there. It would be a very intentional choice to yeah. remove them for a very specific reason. Right. Correct. You would notice. <laughs> you would definitely notice. Right. Yeah. And they don't actually serve any other specific role other than you expect that kind of person to be there and you're going to have some sort of slice of life chit chat with them right i'm going to get to like ones where they serve specific roles in a story but for this first one most times they barely have a name they're almost never prepped in advance and usually the gm will just kind of off the cuff handle like the shopkeeper like oh you know what i want to get my armor repaired can i go to the blacksmith oh sure sure i walk in the door you know hey is anyone there and then the gm's like you know, you hear the banging of metal and, you know, out walks the blacksmith and her hair is tied in a ponytail and she's a bit dirty wearing her leather apron, you know, as she strides up to, you know, up to you. Right. I'm just making that up. 
right? Yeah. Um, see the smile on your face? You like the little twist that I, I changed gender, <laughs> right? I saw that. I had an expectation and I knew that it was a, an expectation. And then sure. you flipped it and I liked it. Sure. <laughs> my, my gut feeling, right, just off the cuff, right? I'm just making this up because we need a little slice of life character here. Um, to quickly put together a look and personality... My my first thought that popped into my head was um, that Canadian lumberjack girl on TikTok. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Kind of sweet, right. okay. kind of wholesome, but she's also like a little buff, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Can definitely <laughs> would be able to you swing see it a in hammer. the shoulders I've, and arms, right? She's definitely I've, buff. I mean, I've um, seen her swing an axe and a sword. Yep. And she's got, uh, but so she's I got that it. Canadian wholesomeness, cuteness, you know, a little bit of little yeah. maple syrup touched. You know, kind of, you know, yep. kind of personality. Anyway, so no prep for that. I didn't even know you wanted to go to the armorer or to the blacksmith or whatever, but we just needed one because for slice of life. Yeah. Okay. Because that's a thing that you're doing in town. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So then we have other NPCs that are um, there um, because they have relationships with the character. They're there for dramatic purposes. Right. So in our For the Queen game, um, your so Aveline's girlfriend. Yeah, Margot. Margot is there for uh dramatic purposes. She doesn't actually participate in any espionage. No, dot, well, dot, dot, part yet. of the reason well um, hmm. <laughs> but part of the reason that she's there is um was that we were interested in exploring some of the tension between maintaining a normal life and having a life, a, a hidden yeah. life, right? Margot, Margot doesn't know that Correct. Aveline is a spy for the queen. And that is the, the tension there is that Aveline has to kind of maintain that level of secrecy in, in, in her most intimate relationship. Yes. Um, and we, you know, so this character serves dramatic purposes and we have some, um, we, we negotiated, uh, when we set up this character, a certain amount of, um, boundaries to the drama. Like we didn't want any hard betrayals, heartbreaks right. or things like that. This yeah. is Margot represents a slight complication. Um, sometimes dramatic, sometimes a little funny, like the, so for instance, um, and again, to jog everyone's memory, um, this is a game set in a 16th century France that has been um, colonized by time travelers who are pulling the resources out of this timeline for their own uh, futuristic utopia. And because of that, Paris has become, um, it remains somewhat 16th century and somewhat modernized in weird kind of hybrid ways. But in this case, um, Margot who actually sells real estate in Paris. Her family uh, made, a, her for, made their fortune in real estate. Um, she's, um, she has taken up fencing yes. and takes you on a date to I, go I fencing. I knew this is what you were going to bring up. And yeah. unbeknownst to Margot, Aveline is like a full-fledged well, killer. Really, really. <laughs> it, it is one of my best skills. Correct. Uh, it's so, like a D10 or maybe right. even and a D12. Like a solid a D10. D6, right? right? Like a solid D6 fencer right. um, and using this Cortex. Is, 
just to be clear, this is supposed to be a date where I am experiencing this maybe for the first time. Yes. Margot is very yeah. excited to take you to her fencing club. Yes. Um, because she has gotten into fencing and was like, oh, it'll be so much fun. Don't worry. You know, don't be scared. That don't kind worry, of thing. You're pretty little head. Correct. <laughs> um, I won't hurt you. Correct. Meanwhile, yeah. Aveline has, you know, like a couple of months ago had like fought a set of Scottish rebels on like, you know, the um, grounds of, um, you know, in, uh, in, in the middle of London. Literally you know. fought off essentially an army Correct. with the three of us fighting a, a, a covering of the retreat of the queen to her personal plane. Yeah. Um, holding them off long enough that she could get on the plane. But yep. we are talking about an, an army, basically. So- <laughs> to go back to my point, right? Yes. Margot represents a dramatic element in the game, right? Yes. This NPC serves no other purpose than to create drama and a relationship, right? like relationship drama. Mm-hmm. And for Margot, it's in a good way. Margot is a very positive character. Margot is a very caring character. Um, Margot and Aveline have a very good relationship, good, healthy relationship. But... Margot represents Aveline's, quote, normal life. Yes. Um, and the drama of having to balance her normal life with her spy life. Yes. Okay. Um, I think Aveline's brother also does yep. that. So, like, just Aveline's to name brother, another Robin example, is, right? Yep. Because um, I have family obligations uh, as well. Um, also dramatic. Are also at odds with my yep. obligations as a, you know, spy for the queen. Absolutely. Right? So, it's it's making, um, it's, it's. The intention of those characters is drama and generating difficult decision points or like decision points where I have tension. Exactly. Okay. The next one um, are clue givers or they are clues unto themselves, right? Yes. So these NPCs exist because they are a piece of evidence or contain within their knowledge or actions evidence that will unfold an investigative type type of story. These are witnesses. These are suspects, right? <laughs> they're, they're red herrings if you're doing that in your game and there are reasons for or not. Um, we I think won't we get have into a whole, that. We won't get into that here that, today, yeah. right. Yeah. But, but these NPCs exist to further an investigation, right? Their goal is to be interacted with, to gain some knowledge that will move an investigation forward. Now, yeah. there is also a kind of parallel of this, which is an information giver whose job is to provide some sort of information to move the plot along. Yeah. Right. Their sole purpose is to be like, you know, oh, I have a message for you from Baron Von Badass. He says, if you want to see your family again, like go to the Black Tower, whatever. Um, That's an information giver, right? But they do the same, they perform the same role, right? They have some information that when passed on to the players will advance the plot into a certain direction. Sure. Would you include the... um, So, for instance, back to Long Live the Queen in a very espionage system, FBI kind of way, right? There is a uh, there is a woman in charge of the Queen's spies, Madame Defargas, and she hands out the next 
so the that next would be, thing that needs right. to be done, right? So, cl- so clue giver, like, let's pull it back, Wilkin. We're going to call sure. them plot giver. Sure, right? plot giver. That makes okay. sense. Yeah. And then the subtypes are going to be the clue giver, clue giver, the information, information giver, giver, the mission the, giver, the mission giver. That's yes. it, right there. The the yeah. mysterious man you meet in a pub. Yes. Um, your <laughs> boss who hands, you know, your the director who hands out missions. Right. The commanding officer of your unit, right? Their goal is to again. Um, move plot. Yeah. Right. That's their purpose. Their purpose is the plot is here. It needs to go there. And this is the (laughs) mechanism by which the world expresses that to the characters. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. So that's the information one. The next most obvious one is opposition. Yes. Okay. So this one's very obvious. You have to fight something. Um, you don't always have to fight something, but in a game, there are there are characters that represent opposition that have goals that are that are counter to what you want, and they and you will have to oppose them, be it physically, um, socially, um, whatever. However, however your game resolves conflict in any number of ways, this character stands between what you want. And how you're going to get it. Yes. So at the simplest level, this is five goblins in a 10 by 10 room. Sure. Yes. Right. No <laughs> idea what they're doing standing in a 10 by they're 10 just, room together. They're waiting for you to come. But they they're have there no and lives you're gonna, and you're going to mercifully, unmercifully cut them down. Yes. Um, could be Varen Bond B- B- Badass, who is a like very complicated opposition who has like minions and henchmen and lieutenants and all that underneath them. I mean, it could be the King of England. It could be the King of England. Could be the Duke of Buckingham. <laughs> yep. Could be a Scottish noble in the Highlands. That guy. <laughs> McClellan. Man. Um, anyway, the opposition is there to, uh, to be a barrier to the uh, player characters. Yes. Right. It, without, without them the player characters would just go achieve their goal. Right. We just go do it. Or um, it would be done. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's, that's another, so thinking like just recapping from where we are, right. We have some, we have like the um, spice of life NPCs, right. They just, they're there because there are, there are people in the world. Mm-hmm. We have plot movers, right. Who are pushing plot in some way. We have opposition who are actually resisting plot from being pushed, right? They're in your way. They are speed bumps. They are walls. They're, you know, you have to deal with them. Cool. Okay. Those I think are probably the three most common NPCs that we're going to get into the, we're going to get into the now fringe ones. Those three represent probably 80% of what a GM is going to put out on the table. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, and they have very specific functions, right? I know when I am prepping a game, there'll be times where I'm like, okay, how does, like, how are the players going to get from here to here, right? So then I'm like, okay, um, who is the NPC that would be interesting in this moment, Yeah. right? To, to push plot or to be the opposition. Yeah. Right. Like, for instance, in Children of the Shroud, um, during the early part of It's a Magical Night, I knew from a pacing perspective that 
we needed to do some pre-prom stuff. Otherwise, we were just going to jump right to the prom, right? Yes. Like, yeah. But here's the thing. Okay, so now we can talk about this because this, this story's out. been out yeah. for a little while. Okay. But also, spoilers if you haven't listened to it sure. yet. I'm going to try not to give too many details, but I'm going to explain. So the prom is the big part of the evening. But in order to get Gunny to be able to go to the back rooms, he has to clear a couple hurdles. Okay, mm -hmm. so... That part was obvious to me, right? There's a couple barriers that Gunny has to, Gunny has to get in with the, um, he's got to get in with the locals and then he's got to get the invite from that um, prosperity mage. Yep. Okay. So I've got Gunny mapped out, right? There's some pre-prom things that Gunny has to do and then we get to prom and then we get to the back rooms. Yeah. But Gunny... Bob is not the only person at the table. No, there's two more characters. There are two more characters. So I have two characters that don't have anything else to do. Now, I could, as a GM, just be like, let them ad lib it and see what happens. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to create some um, drama. I wanted to create some drama for them to engage with, right? Yep. So I used a dramatic character and a little bit and a little bit of opposition by having them have to help with the promposal. Right. Yes. So yeah, what sure. I what I came up with was I was like, OK, I need to chew up some time for them because um, realistically, Bob, like Gunny has to go do this stuff. What are, what are these guys doing when we cut scenes, right? Like when we cut back and forth. And I kind of went through like my little mental Rolodex of NPCs. Like, is this a thing that Lisa could be involved with? You know, is I this like, who, right, sure. <laughs> yeah. Who else do I have in my little Rolodex of NPCs? Now, having sat on the table from the Smarty Pants episode was this um, trait that the guys owed Archie a favor. Yes. So I was like, now Let's is time to pay up in. favor, right? Yeah. Time to, I'm going to create some drama here um, with a little bit of quote conflict, right? Some things they're going to have to overcome um, in order to fill up some time. Right, for Gunny to take care of the rest of his stuff. Ex yeah, exactly. So it could have been like the Archie promposal thing wasn't my first choice plot line, right? I was focused on getting Gunny. How was I going to logically get Gunny to the, to the back rooms? Yeah. Right. But I needed like, I needed, I needed quote filler, not really filler, but I needed something for the other players to do because we don't want them just sitting around. Well, and the world is still happening. Correct. Right. Like so, there's more world than just what Gunny is doing. Yeah. So I basically was like, well, what drama can I fill into this space? Right. Like and then again, go through my NPC list in my head. Oh, I'll pluck this one out for Archie. What can I do with Archie? Oh, I know because I I knew I wanted to. Um, the sadistic part of me was that since these are all old men, we're all old men playing <laughs> a game about teenagers in high school and in my generation. And I think in your generation too, promposals were not a not thing. A thing. Totally so I not was like, thing. no, we're doing a promposal. I mean, right? you, like you kind of, you had to. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Right. The genre, right. The, like, not the only did the genre dictate it. it. Yeah. So the generation dictated it. Our genre, which is like pseudo anime, 
also dictated that there needed to be some sort of outrageous, magical-powered promposal. Yeah, Yeah. 100%. Yep, and then I just, you know, decided to do a couple of things. So um, I I, I grabbed Archie and then purposely um, made it queer. Yep. Right? That was a, you know, intention. I like like, that. it It would have been very easy slash at times lazy to have just had Archie interested in one of the girls. But I was like, nope, I think this will actually be more fun. I mm-hmm. went through the roster of NPCs and I was like, let's make it Robbie, right? Yeah. Nerdy boy. The nerdy boy is crushing on like the big, you know, um, big football guy. Yeah. Um, Love it. <laughs> yeah. And then the added drama, right, of course, was that Robbie's not too bright. Um, he, and, he you know, no idea. there was a good chance Silas, um, if he had botched the role, um, he would have accepted Silas's um, promposal. Proposal. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, and, and that would have created additional drama. A whole mess. Okay. Yeah. Point of all of that is, as a GM, you have, like, there are things you need to do in a game. And NPCs are the means by which you inject your voice into the game. Right. I needed to create some drama. I needed to pick the right piece in order to create that drama. Again, I could have done it a million different ways, but I plucked Archie, um, knew that I could leverage that he owed the guys owed him and use that to push forward. I mean, um, during that same period, I will say there is a very interesting conversation that Silas has with um, a pretty major NPC that was also full of drama and tension and interesting goodness to set them up for the actual night sure. of prom. Um, and, and, and that was also a fantastic place to insert that um, and scare the crap out of him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, and, and, you know, you pick what some, so sometimes you prep these things in sometimes um, I think in the case of the one you're talking about, it was a drop in. Was where it? I was like, um, interesting. Say, tell me a little bit more. I got to make sure I know. Uh, yeah, which no, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm like trying to be so spoiler free, but um, it's so Silas, you were looking for a place that Silas would be out of the house by himself. Yeah. Um, so that you could slide in a conversation with Mesame's mom. Earlis, are you thinking of the one that happens in Smarty Pants where Silas gets mad, he goes off by himself and then Earlis pulls up in the car? Nope. Thinking of the okay. second one. Where Erlis okay. gives him. Oh, yeah, no, that one's intentional. Yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's intentional. And the intention of that is twofold. Um, I'll, I, I'll, I'll just give. So in this case, in this case, Erlis is pushing plot, right? So there's yeah. two, twofold. One, um, I know that the back rooms is going to be where the um, players are going to be vastly outnumbered. Yes. Right. So yeah, I need okay. to give them, I need to give them an edge, right? Right. So Erlis is, Erlis is the way I'm going to do that, right? Because Erlis is highly motivated for yeah, this, for this to work, right? <laughs> yeah. So she shows up with this basically magical item and is like, when you need this, use it. Yeah. Right. And now like, it does two things, right? <laughs> what does it do? And she's like. When Don't. you need it, use it. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. The, they, from behind the scenes, it was whatever they wished yes. for well, was going to yeah. happen in ice. I mean, right? I understood that when yeah. it happened, but like the fact that she wouldn't answer him in the moment was brilliant. Just well, and right. So and clear. then the other piece of it is it begins 
the countdown to Erlis's yes. arrival. Yeah, it does. <laughs> because once it goes off, Erlis knows she where knows everybody where they is. Are. Yeah. Yes. Like it's a twofold. Now that one was intentional. If you go back to Smarty Pants, the one where she pulls up and has the conversation with Silas, that scene was prepped, but not when or where it was going to take place. Like yeah. I was like, this, this scene is a drop in. Like I need it to happen sometime during the story. Wait until you find the, a good spot and drop it in. Yeah, but when Silas you do, alone. here's some yeah. notes about what you're going to say. That's a, I, I don't do those all the time, but I keep that in my bag of trips, tricks, what I call a drop in, um, which is a, a scene that is roughed. The goal of the scene is very highly defined, but the when and where and the con like the when and where of that scene floats until I think it's in the right place. Right. And then you just take advantage of that moment. Yeah. As opposed to one where like the one with the, um, the one in it's a magical night, I knew that was happening during pre-prom. Right. So so the reason I was bringing it up is because that was part of the lead up to prom and yes. you were pulling in Erlis as a very specific kind yes. of NPC to make things happen. Yep. She was yeah. she was she was a she was both she was both drama Yes, because her arrival causes her arrival, her arrival is drama. Yes. She is <laughs> And she's pushing plot because yes. th that that magical item is a plot device yes. that's going to be used later by the players. Yeah. Okay. But but boy, she's drama whenever she drops yes. in, right? Yeah, she's fantastic. She's horrifying. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Tension. <laughs> she's, she's horrifying and she is based off of a reoccurring NPC that is used... Um, in my um in my gaming group so Sneezak uses them i use them but in we have this pantheon of of terrible gods um called they're sometimes referred to as the dead gods because um they've all been murdered by their followers um and they still just exist extra plain early but they're all terrible and Erlis, the queen of Horfrost and woe has appeared in a number of different stories um and each time she appears she is approximately the same amount of terrible yeah, and terrifying. Yeah. yeah, she's like some way. She's like some cross between like, um, if Melissa, fit, Mel, what's I can never say that name. Yes, met. Um, what's her face from Frozen? Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. You got yeah. Elsa Maleficent crossover yes. just smashed together. That's, that's that is early. But like, and and a social manipulation like master. Yeah, she's just, yeah. she's horrifying. On anyway, yeah. all right, let's talk about some other NPCs because the, the the common ones, right? Slice of life, drama, plot, and opposition are going to be um, the big tools in your toolbox. But let's talk about like some of the weird tools in your toolbox that you only use every now and then. In, sure. <laughs> in our um, Long Live the Queen game. Yes. We have two NPCs that are um, shared between you and I, yes. um, we actually pass back the role. Like sometimes I embody their voice. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes uh, I think you almost always roll for them. I, I don't, I don't ever them, roll yeah. for them. Yeah. And, and you will decide their course of actions if they are on the mission, but I will kind of deal with their course of actions if they're off screen. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, so I don't, I'm not sure what you're so going to say is, about them. So this is, so let me just say first, this yeah. is Suzette and Geraldine. Yes. And they are, um, 
they are part of backup. my cell. They're like part of my cell of espionage. Well, like they are. The, the three of you together weird. form a cell. Yeah. Um, but the purpose, right? The, the, not the story purpose, the mechanical purpose of these characters is so that we could deal with you being a one, this being a one player game. Yeah, uh, that, and that's what act- I was actually going to say is their primary purpose is actually mechanical. Yes. Um, to cover that because there has to be, you know, th- it is very James Bondy the way that we're playing this, but it's still a role playing game, and the dice yep. are the dice, and they're, you know, you need the people, you know, the rest of the M one and stuff. You need people to make your cool gadgets. M one the the Mac chip. <laughs> you mean M. And then no. I think you mean Q. What's the name of the... Anyway, whatever. Yeah, moving right along. I, this is not my most sharpest day. That's yeah, okay. Espionage is also not your strongest genre. It's not my strongest genre. Okay. And I, I'm not at my sharpest at the moment because of the I'm Rona. With you. I'm hanging um, with you. But you know what I mean. But you you have to have like those those people, right? Yeah. So So what Suzette and Geraldine represent is that they are your support team. Yeah. For your mission, like when you go on missions. So they they form two specific roles. Geraldine has a combination of um, technology and medicine. Yeah. And Suzette has a broad set of social skills. Plus, she's basically like a sniper and driver. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Which leaves Geraldine as the tip of the spear. Suzette can uh, work her contact, her contacts to produce a person like Suzette has an ability. Like I know a person, she yeah. can burn a lover from her, um, from her, her little list. black book, yeah. right. <laughs> to gain an advantage. Yeah. Um, and she can get you, she can guide you out of um, hot situations, right? If you yeah. are on the run and Suzette is, you know, nearby, Suzette can provide overwatch. Yeah, or um, cover, which she did correct. when we were trying to get the queen like exactly. out of a palace that was overrun and onto yep. a plane, right? Yeah. G- Geraldine possesses all the technology skills your character doesn't have because your character is um, really one on social on and the ground. fighting. Yeah. yeah. Boots on the ground, social fighting, and, um, yep. and fingers in a lot of things, but not everything, right? But I not can't, technology. You are not yeah. a hacker or any of those things. I, I can't be the literal jack of all trades. <laughs> right, you right? can't like, be good at everything. I can't just put a D12 in every skill slot, yeah. right? Nor would it be fun, right? It so, wouldn't be. So Geraldine and Suzette round your character out and allow us to play a one-player game without it being, like, one-sided. Like, you can do other things in the game. Like, for instance, there was a time where you had to, um, you guys needed to print a circuit board by taking over 3D printer from the um, time-traveling company, Chrono. Yes, which was, and to be clear, inside one of their, like, well-protected facilities. facilities. Yeah. Yeah, and Geraldine actually wrote the program. We Geraldine made, you made the roles for Geraldine. She wrote the program, and then Aveline snuck in with the program on her um, cell phone to, oh, no. No, we did, yeah. I actually seduced, seduced an, engineer an engineer who and worked loaded at the facility, it onto her phone. loaded it on her phone, and then it was remotely loaded from yes. her phone, which had VPN access Correct. to the facility um, yep. and preempted the 3D printer queue. Same menu. Yeah. 
right? <laughs> um, but also not that possible happened. by one character that no. unless that character is like a real Mary Literally Sue. Literally can do everything. Yeah. yeah. And we didn't do that, right? Aveline, there are things Aveline can't do, but in order to combat this, and we could get into a whole thing about one player games, um, those characters, which are quasi NPCs. Yeah. And kind of retainers. Yeah. Right. They they really fall into the retainer category, right? They are uh, an NPC that um, you do not fully embody. And in fact, I voice them more times than you do. I rarely um, voice them because correct. I'm usually I'm, having a conversation with them and that would yes. be awkward. Yeah, I usually voice <laughs> them. And then, um, but you do all the rolling for them. Yeah, and I do decide generally, as you said, when they're on screen, yep, I decide what they do. Correct. When they're off screen, living their lives, you decide what they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that's that kind of retainer character, retainer NPC, and other games use this, right? You don't have to have a one-player game. Old school D&D used to use yeah. retainers for all sorts of things, right? You would have, you know, um, a man, you know, a man of arms. You'd have like, you know, maybe somebody pick locks or whatever. Um, you would hire these retainers uh, and they're there to provide mechanical benefits for the main character. But they are um, actions controlled by the player, but um, voiced and acted by the um, by the game master. I would argue that Animal Companion probably falls into that same category I as well. I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. Because, Animal uh, Companions are a special type of retainer. Right. Because it is most fun when you sort of, in, in my experience, it has been the most fun when you sort of share control of those Animal Companions. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So those, um, those are cases where, um, those are cases where you have an NPC that is kind of bolstering the um the pc the next one oh can okay, i hazard something just piggybacking hazard, of that for a second whatever you like before you, you want to go before we go on i would almost say and i don't i haven't now thought this through in great detail so there could be a lot of holes in this theory no we're literally making this up as we go i go know on. um so would you maybe say that these are NPCs that specifically exist for mechanical benefit and that's why we share them around a little bit more yeah I think that's, I think so we, there's, we there's going to be another mechanical. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to give you another subtype of the mechanical. Okay. Um, okay. This one is a little, so I, yes, mechanical NPC is great, right? Like a retainer, animal companion, that kind of thing. The next one, which can be a mechanical NPC, um, and ideally if done correctly, should be a mechanical NPC. Okay. Is the GMPC. Yes. Yeah, they should be a mechanical NBC in that same way, actually. Correct. Because otherwise... Otherwise, otherwise the GM's just playing the game. You found a character, the GM is playing the game, and the GM has all the insider knowledge on playing the game. And, so. you know, the GM has, like, made some, like, you know, like, when done when done poorly, <laughs> the GM PC is a fucking disaster. Yeah, they're, they're um, ten levels ahead of you, and they have wings. They're, they, they, <laughs> they're, they're intruding on niches. They're better at you at things. They make the rest of the party or other players feel obsolete. That's the terrible side of GMPCs. When done correctly, and I have done one or two correct GMPCs, when done correctly, they are a mechanical benefit to the party. And they can still be voiced and acted out by the GM. Um, but there are like 
good ways to do them. And the best way is let them be acted out by the GM, but let them be con- like, let their high level um, activities guided by the players. I'll give an example. Yeah. Back when I was running Iron Heroes, which was a D20 martial style game, um, we wound up without a tank. Right. One of the players switched classes. We didn't have like a really good, um, hard, tanky kind of character. Yeah. And we needed one. So I was like, I would like to add a character to the party um, as the bodyguard to the future king. So one of the player characters was the future king. Um, I was like, that guy can't travel around um, un- unprotected anymore. So I'm going to make, I would like to make an NP- a GMPC that will tank. Yeah. But his soul, his, his real purpose, the Primary reason he's goal. in this yeah. group is to protect the king. Yeah. Um, and so I did. I made this character who was um, a trident and shield fighter, um, which was an interesting combo but had reach, had a big ass shield to deflect things to protect the king. And the rule was I, um, I would narrate and be the voice of the GMPC um, when, you know, they were talking to him in during dramatic scenes and stuff like that. During combat, I would roll for him, but those rolls were always outside the screen. Right. Yeah. I kept a separate set of dice outside the screen. These were Keln's dice and I would roll for Keln's stuff right in front of the players as if I was a player. Yep. Um, I kept the GM's dice behind the screen because it's a D20 game and it didn't have good um, protection mechanisms. So sometimes I fudge rolls. It's a whole separate topic. Yeah. But when it came to combat, I did not pick who, what targets I fought or where I put myself on the battle mat. Yeah. The players would players assume decided. like yeah. the players would be like Keln is moving forward and is going to fight like that giant. Yeah. And I would be like kick okay, and I had no cool. objections. I'd be like, like, okay, you put Keln where you want Keln. Right. And then I will but roll for Keln. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the best version of the GMPC that I had ever come up with, which was, um, which was I got to be a character in the group because I actually really loved the players like in that group and they were traveling a lot. Yeah. So I needed a character that also traveled with them so that I could interact with them. Yeah. And, um, and I just wanted, I wanted that part of the game and they needed a tank because they were all like, they were like an archer, (laughs) one wizard and the, um, the king who is a, Oh, I'm trying to remember what his class was, but he was like a thinky fighter, not right. like a tanky fighter. So they were going to get squished. They Anything that was tank-like was going to, you know, come up and roll up on these guys hard. So I gave them the tank they needed, um, which is the mechanical benefit. Um, and then we just, you know, we set some hard boundaries so that um, I didn't run amok with that character. Yeah. I mean, this may be a a future topic or might even have been something that we've already talked about, or maybe you talked about it on Misdirected, Mark, but like, where's the boundary between GM NPC and shared NPC? Uh, Well, the boundary was um, the only time they shared him was in combat. But obviously this is like a spectrum here. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a spectrum. Yeah. This in this case, um, so for instance, and again, we'll just tangent a little, and then I think we're almost close to the end of the topic. Sure. In Children of the Shroud, um, the the players pick up 
um, various NPCs all the time, right? Um, Chris often will embody um, T's sister, Amethyst. Yep, T's sister. Right? Yep. Um, Those kinds of things. Those are just kind of shared NPCs, right? And I'm very okay when it comes to things like that. Like, by all means, um, jump in and play those characters. I don't have a personal emotional investment in those. Keln from Ah. my Iron Heroes game, I had a, like, that character had a backstory. That character had history. That character had growth during the course of the like emotional growth during the course of the story, because that was me getting to um, act as a character for dramatic purposes. What I did was I relinquished all of my tactical control of Keln. So you, but you said, but you maintained all of your actual character control. Yeah. And then the other, I guess, other defining thing is Keln was rolled up as an actual player character. Yeah. I didn't just write a bunch of stats for Kel down. I actually like went to the core book and made him, I think at the time he was like a sixth or seventh level man at arms. But like I went through and like leveled him up and bought feats and skills. And he was built on the same mechanical framework the players were because he was a player character. Yeah. But there's a couple of key things, right? Like he wasn't millions of levels more powerful oh, no, no, than no, no, them no. and like no, all this he was, kind of stuff, right? And, and because we were um, leveling by story, yeah, uh, he like he never got ahead of the players because it was always like, okay, everybody level up together. and Keln also leveled up. Yes, yeah. Um, and, yeah. I, and one of the other things I would do is I would discuss with the players when I leveled Keln up what options I was considering taking. Yeah. So what I'd you, be like, hey, want him to be able to do Yeah, it? like, like, would this be advantageous for you guys if I took this feat? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, you know, and then, I mean, like, you know, and Geraldine and um, Suzette are actually also rolled up as full characters. Yeah, I was going to say, but I don't know if I would consider them GMNPCs. No, they're not. I don't think they are. Um, but I they're, level I level them up with me. When I level up, yes. I also level them up. Yeah, they're not GMPCs because I don't, um, I'm not emotionally invested in in That's portraying a, that yeah. character. That's I portray that character. Yeah. That's a good distinguishing yeah. feature. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Suzette and Geraldine don't actually have um, growth arcs. If you think about it, they just basically kind of statically exist. Yeah. I mean, Suzette no, certainly does. I feel like Geraldine's been having a little bit of a blooming. Sure. Sure. <laughs> well, that's probably because the rest of you are, you know, uh, way more promiscuous than poor Geraldine. and. <laughs> Starting to, starting to, you know, starting to get jealous of, you yeah, know, the rest of you. Whatever. Um, yeah, anyway. All right. So I think that's the other, um, that's the other, and I think you're right. I think the, um, there, when it comes to the NPC as a character resource, there's a spectrum of how you can play that out. Yeah. You know, from very simple, like this is a hireling I paid gold for that has hardly any backstory that provides me some mechanical benefits to all the way up to an embodied um, GMPC. Right. I would. And and all sorts of things in the middle. In between, right? Like it could could be your your magical intelligent weapon in. Yeah, um, absolutely. Oh, shoot. Oh, no. The name of your game. Which I'm one? having a day. The one with a magical intelligent weapon for Dungeon World to play, to adjust it for one player. Oh, um, thanks. <laughs> I just wiped out the name. <laughs> Sorry. 
The legacy weapon. Legacy weapon. There we go. That's what I was yeah. looking for. Ox yeah. is a um, I was ox, say ox was a is form a good of one. that. Yep. Ox was um ox borders on a GM PC. Yeah, ox was the one that I was thinking about as you were talking about Kelm, but I was yes. going a little bit back and forth on. Um because Ox has some very GMPC like moments. Yeah. Um but the players rolled all of um, Ox's stuff. In fact, most of the time, Ox didn't actually roll for stuff. The players just um, borrowed dice out of Ox's stats. Yeah, so they just it was it was an assist. Yeah, yeah, kind of thing. But Ox's personality was one hundred percent. Yeah, and, and the, Ox um, had an evolution. I would say. Oh, very much so. Yeah, very much so. Ox had a whole arc during that during that game. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. All right. So cool. Michael, awesome topic. What are, you know, what are NPCs and what are they for? Um, we didn't talk about literary or film. I'm not super great at literary and film roles for like background characters, but what I do know is how to use NPCs in a role-playing game. So you got our, our, what I think is the better category, which is how will you define your NPCs um, by what function they serve yeah. in your role-playing game? And of course, of they course. Be, yeah. Say it. Multifunctional. They yes. can be multifunctional. Just yeah. because we named them out individually doesn't mean they doesn't can't mean serve they can't multiple functions. Yes. Or switch functions between yep. sessions. Your plot giver one day could be, you know, a dramatic character another day. Like all of those things are true because none of this is simple and none of these are absolutes. So we dis we di we discreetly define them because it's easy to talk about them discreetly. But in truth, you can just mash these things up. Yeah. Or mix them up, change them up, whatever them up. they work. They can do both. They can transform. They can do from yes. one to the other. Don't be, Just. don't be all cranky about when we <laughs> talk about these things like that. We are a nuanced show and sometimes we assume you understand that, but you know, we throw our disclaimers on at the end. Just in case. Just in case. Anyway, want to get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Tell me about another show on the Misdirect on Mark Network. Sure. Um, on Thacko with Advantage, Ange and Jared love talking about RPGs and D&D specifically. Together, they share insights into the games they're running in the campaign journal, and then they tackle a variety of topics that affect the game in the DM's workshop. If you listen, sometimes they even have guests. Like, they had guests. Anyway, you can also maybe pick up an ancient D&D factoid that you may never use, but sometimes it's interesting to find out. I learned one the other day, not from Thacko with Advantage, admittedly, but I did learn one the other day about an advanced D&D or maybe second edition D&D like encyclopedia that someone had gone through and done a find replace on the word mage to wizard and they'd actually accidentally changed every instance of the word mage so all of the damage said the wizard and all of the image said I wizard and they published it like that I didn't know this but TikTok and TikTok taught I me. I actually did not know that either. That's interesting. <laughs> but that's the kind of thing that you might learn. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. I was not a good D and D player. I played D and D to get into the hobby. Immediately discovered other games and was like out of D and D. I always <laughs> came back and played D and D, but I was playing other shit like almost immediately. Yeah, anyway. we can have this conversation in the Bamboo Lounge. Yeah, let's talk about we'll that. Just, let's get there. We'll dig in. In yeah. order to get there, say, Senda, tell me the one place on the internet where people can find all uh, versions of us. Yeah, you can find us at misdirectedmark.com slash panda. Woo! That's the Ooh. one. Once you have found your favorite way to connect with us by going to misdirectedmark.com slash panda, Phil, what can they do with that information? 
Yeah, like Michael did, leave us a topic, ask us a question, pick something that you just want to hear us ramble on about, right? Like we're, we're so okay with that. Like we're here, one for your entertainment, also one for your education. Those are tied, entertainment and education. Sure. Um, and then two, we're here for our own entertainment and education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a yeah. lot of times we just, you know, we like hanging out with each other and talking <laughs> about this stuff. So that's secondary. But first, airy, right? First, airy is um, education and entertainment of you. First, airy. Yeah, first, airy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just uh, you Pri- know. primary, primarily, primarily. You know that there some people just word. record the ending of their show and slap it on at the end. We do not. We do not. This Proof is for you. Positive. This Proof is for positive. you. We're still here with you. Correct. Other shows would dump you by now and have closed up shop, but we're still here with you. Anyway, um, leave us a topic. We want to to share our vast knowledge of gaming, um, game mastering, game design, and honestly, podcasting, GMing advice. Want to share all that with you to make your games more better fun. And I'll leave it right like that. Um, If you like what we do here, um, you can support us via the Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Uh, patrons get access to the Slack Room for Life. They get access um, to um, our Friday afternoon uh, kind of hangout. Um, you can get access at different levels to design docs, to stuff that we've made setting-wise and things like that, um, and all sorts of things of that nature. Um, all in all, your patronage is what keeps our lights on, our data flowing, um, and these mics hot. So uh, thanks for making that possible. But if you are already backing the Patreon or unable to back the Patreon, which is perfectly fine, there's one more thing you can do to help us. Some of you are the direct benefit and Sunday's going to tell you what you can do right now. Yeah, you can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Or you can tell a friend that you like the show, somebody that you think would be into it. Or when somebody's wandering around social media going, I'm looking for a new, you know, show about RPGs and I don't want an actual play this time. We are a system agnostic show and we will talk about almost anything you throw at us so uh, if it's about role-playing we're in if it's not about role-playing we'll probably talk about in the bamboo lounge like, <laughs> like if we just won't put it as the main topic for the show like sure yeah you want us <laughs> to talk about feathers i got feelings and opinions i just finished a book anyway um yeah that's what yes. you can do sounds good uh say send up um we need a new NPC for our Long Live the Queen game. Mm. Who should we? Well, maybe we don't need a new one. Which NPC should we put the spotlight on? I think probably the Menards. Interesting. I was thinking of Paisley, but. Oh, that's a good one, too. <laughs> This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Clicky it is. Hello, hello. Oh no, I have to pull it just a little bit closer. Well, it's okay. We're in the part where Ryan's going to cut anyway. It doesn't want to stay. There we go. Bloop. My waveforms don't look super big, but I'm sure they'll get normalized out at the end. My mic's in a good place and it sounded good during it mic check good. and I'm yeah. not fucking touching it. Um, yeah, yeah. Don't touch your mic. <laughs> no, I think my it's my Audio-Technica and I think it's getting to the age where the um, 
USB port isn't quite as firm. Yeah, I'm like, like, there is either an issue with the port on the microphone itself or with the cord. Yeah, I doubt um, it's the cord. One I of doubt them is the really cord. touchy. Yeah. yeah. Bloop. Sorry, I was yawning. Okay. Are right, you ready? Yes. Okay. Bloop. Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Do you want to talk about NPCs? I mean, it's interesting because I just started this book about the NPCs, actually. Gotcha. Like, I just started reading this book that's specifically sure that about the NPCs. <laughs> try answering with, yeah, you know me. Let's just try that. Ready? <laughs> okay. Let's just, sorry. Here, we'll try again. Ready? Yes. Instead of just telling me a story, let's just just answer with, yeah, you know me. Okay, ready? Oh, that's where you are going. I get it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I did though just start a book. I'll tell you about it later. Show me what you got. 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 